With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another week is in the books, and another Sims and Lefko is ready for your eardrums. We are ready. We are ready. Uh, big show. We're going to talk about how are we supposed to talk about Andy Dalton. Hmm. We're going to talk about, oh, you're going to, to uh, Jameis Winston. That's interesting. We're going to talk about Earl Thomas's middle finger. Uh, Sims dove into the Titans. Are they for real at 3-1? to one? Yep. The Pats-Dolphins game. Right. A little self-scouting for Sims. How yep. to get that one wrong. Yep. And then a little Trubisky. Because, man, when you throw six touchdowns, we got to talk about you. How was your weekend? It was good. Notre Dame continues to ride, man. It must be Sims. Ever since you got there, Notre Dame's been good football. Pretty much, pretty much. Nothing I could say. It's when they see me on the corner of the field, they just go, that Sims guy's here again. We better raise our that level. That Sims guy's here's again. <laughs> here's again. Honestly, we were Running's just Running's back, coach. We were just talking for 20 minutes about uh, if I were to, I'm going to ask all the listeners, at the same time yes everyone that's listening what kind when you ask for a steak how do you answer it i'd say that 90 percent of you said medium rare and i went to some people today at bleach report and i said i prefer it medium well yeah and one of them called me a psychopath and one of them called me a serial killer and the rest said it's a disgrace to meet and i came to sims and you said I agree with you. First medium of all, serial luck. killer would more say to the medium, medium rare guy that yeah, likes wouldn't blood. Wouldn't serial killer like right? the blood? And like I, we like it cooked, so it's yeah. actually not still bleeding. Yeah. So I, I don't get that but either. I, I have a feeling that a lot of listeners are going to get very upset at us. How dare you disgrace the meat? Well, and I said this: if we're at a really nice restaurant, then I might do a medium rare. But most of these other restaurants, There's they're no not flying in Kobe beef. I'm not. It's. I want my meat a little. There's cooked. no fucking way I'm getting medium rare at any restaurant. I don't care if it's the greatest steak place in the history of the planet, and it costs a thousand dollars for a New York strip. I'm not. No. One no. beans, not beef. Right. But two, what's what's your main reason? What do you tell people? Because I'm sure you get weird eyed looked at all well, the time. I, I I feel like you're the guy that goes medium well. I know. I know. I do say that. You yeah. know, but it's gone. It's it's actually even gone off step further now because. I would say, first of all, you know, like Friday night date night's usually my steak night, and I yeah. can't wait to get after it. I actually had a steak last night on Sunday night. Medium well? Uh, oh, yeah. Probably well. <laughs> um, and I, I literally have gotten to the point where, and my wife would tell you this, I would say about the last 10 times I've been at a steak place, I ask for medium well, and I still get it medium. So the last few times... I've said, well done. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I got a medium well. And that's the way I like it cooked. I don't really give a damn. I um, eat to live. I don't live to eat. My question is, how did it become 
part of society that that is the only socially acceptable temperature of meat and and that cooking meat is is that it's you're against the you're art. a communist yeah like that's it's, what people always say you're against are you a art. communist what and i don't even understand I how those things I are like, connected damn, i didn't know com he's medical well done that's an interesting fact i didn't know yeah it's it's as though there's artistry in the timing of the cooking oh i don't know i like a little pink okay is that medium good. well uh no, that's probably medium. I like a medium. Yeah, if it's a thin line of pink, I think that's medium well, like yeah. a real thin line. But if then if you get to the bigger part of it being red or whatever, then it's then you're getting in the medium range. All right, so hit us up at Simpson your body. Your bo- body is not going to digest that as well. That uncooked meat. No, there's a reason I see a lot of people on that like paleo diet. Like, oh, I just have meat and vegetables. Yeah, and I go, but your belly's still big. Yeah, like. Like, I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just saying, like, there's a reason. I, I tried to have this conversation with my brother-in-law. I, uh, yeah, just to be like, no, you have, like, you have, like, a 10-pound steak stuck somewhere in your stomach. and it has hard for your body out. to digest. Right. And that's why you, if you listen to the radio or Sirius XM and some of those things, they have these pills now to get the sludge out of your stomach. Right. And I want to be like, yeah, that's called rare meat stuck in there. All right, so that's a little health note, but yeah, I, I can't I, believe we went down that road. Yeah, I knew you'd. I know it's it's rare. Yeah, uh, I think it, it's still rare. It's still fresh for Earl Thomas. I want to go because to me, of all of the images of the weekend mm-hmm. of success and of failure, the image of Earl Thomas on a cart, realizing that his season is over, flicking off his own team is something that I'm never going to forget. No. I have never even thought of a guy that was like, trade me or pay me. Right. Skipped all the practices, all the meetings, was getting fined, still was having a great year. Yeah, he really was. Like, he really was. Uh And then gets carted off and flips the bird to the other team. Or to his own team. Yeah. Wild. I mean, uh, it was wild. I mean, that's how we do it in Texas. We go out gangster style. Uh, But uh, first of all, I feel for him. That was a tough injury. I, I still... I don't know how he got hurt. Exactly right. I did watch the play like four or five times. And, and there's nothing see to see. Right. And it's very odd. So it just, uh, you know, unfortunate, whatever it may be. Again, I'll go back where the players podcast and hey, it, uh, like... And there's again, no way the steal. There's no way the Seahawks like cut him a check. Be like, by the way, here's $5 million for your trouble. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what I mean. And that's my argument too. Us being the players podcast, you know, I always hate how, you know, coaches always need to, I can't go on a lame duck season. But when the star player asks for that, oh no, you got to earn this next contract or you're getting old and we're not sure. But he's not flipping off the team, right? I mean, he's not flipping off the players. Let's just say that. Who do you think, who do you think he was making eye contact with? It's two people. It's either John Schneider, the GM. You think he was like on the sideline? Or, or Pete Carroll. It's one of the two. So you would say when the Pete, odds are he was making eye contact with Pete Carroll when he flipped the bird. I think so. I would be my would be my money for sure. Somebody Man. that had to do with the negotiations or the fact that the Seahawks drew the line in the sand. And that's what he was giving. One thing to even look at, if you're out there listening, go back and look at the video when everyone's shaking his hand on the back of the cart when he gets on. The Cardinals players. The Cardinals and even the Seahawks players. He, like, will not look at Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll comes over. If you really notice, he tries to never look at Pete. There was something. those are things I look at. When he had an interception in the Bears game. Yeah. Or, no, he had two picks in what game? In the Cowboys game. In the Cowboys game. Right. Pete Carroll came over to him, and I turn to someone and go, he's not 
celebrating with Pete Carroll. No, no, he's just walking by him. He's not going to disrespect him. So but I'm willing to say that he totally flipped off Pete Carroll. I would think that's who it is, and I'm totally willing to say that was his last game as a Seattle Seahawk. And what's even crazier... What do you think about him flipping off Pete Carroll, though? What I'm, do you think Pete Carroll's thinking? I think Pete Carroll is... He's like he he gets it. I I think he's not gonna yeah he's not gonna take Probably it too personal. It. And he kind of sticks up for it today. Like he understands where the players are coming from. That's one thing I like about Pete. Pete is not like anti-player. He no. tries to put himself in their shoes, but it's also a business, and that's the tough thing. You were about gonna it. say it's definitely his last game as a Seahawk. Oh, and I just I know you and I we had the little text last night. Like what is it with that field and the Seahawks? They we are, had a few people. They we, are jinx there. Someone, so that's where Cam Chancellor got hurt. Richard Sherman. That's where Richard last Sherman year, busted his He played his Achilles. last game as a Seahawk. Mm. And what else? Another big moment in their right, careers. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Du, du, du. Big game. Like one of the biggest games they ever played. I don't know. Biggest game oh, they ever played. Oh, Super Bowl. That's for the Marshawn Lynch? Right. Is that field? Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. Yes. The and old Darrow the- Bevel special. Wow. Malcolm I didn't Butler. realize that was yeah, all right? in that one place. They're like they're hexed in that place. Oh well, luckily they're done with it for the season. <laughs> and they got the win. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Bobby Wagner came out and said, uh, "If he doesn't come, then he's not a team player. If he does come and gets hurt, then it's he shouldn't have came. If I if I was him, I'd be pissed off too." Yeah. So Bobby Wagner got it. Bobby Wagner got it. So ESPN posted that mm-hmm. on on Instagram. Le'Veon Bell commented underneath. You haven't seen this? Not at all. He wrote. Shake, I'm glad we're going here, though. Shake my head. Exactly. Get right, bro, bro, Earl Thomas. Yeah. I'll continue to be the bad guy for all of us. Good. Oh, and boy. he capitalized all. And this is really the larger statement, mm-hmm. is that we're going to forget about Earl Thomas as the season goes on. And Earl Thomas... I get it. He's a warrior. He wants to go out there. He wants to play at the same point. He wants to get his checks. And Le'Veon Bell is being painted by everybody as the asshole. He's the bad guy. Turning down money, fighting for it. James Conner, nine carries, 19 yards last night. But Le'Veon's doing really what we've always wanted, which is to go... I'm not doing this. I'm not taking it. I'm standing up because I don't want to get hurt and cost my money in the long run. Exactly right. I'll be the bad guy. No long-term security at running back. Yeah, he's being the bad guy. But really what he's doing is he's going to save a generation of football players through this. This is going to become a thing. You think it's going to be that much of an impact? I I, I think that this can be enough of an impact to where at least the owners think about maybe we have to do this differently next time around at the CBA. I'll say this much. Like, everyone has asked me about Pittsburgh all the time. Like, like they're missing their best player or one of their best players. I so mean, people come to you and they go, what's wrong with the yeah, Steelers? What's wrong with Pittsburgh? I mean, I don't know. You know, what's what's wrong with the Raiders' defense? They're, I don't, they're missing Khalil Mack. I, you know, what what's wrong with any team that's missing their best player at, like, a certain position, let alone you could argue he's the best player on their football team, right? I mean, who are the best players on there? It's him, Antonio Brown, um, you know, ben. hey, Shazier's gone, so he was another really good yeah. player that was... Stefan to it. Right, exactly. So Le'Veon Bell, the position he played, the offensive style they want to play, right? That's the big thing. If you want to know what's going on with the Steelers right now, is Le'Veon Bell is one of the biggest mismatches in football. Do I think he's one of the best running backs in football? Of course. I don't think he's the best. I think I said I was number four. Right. But so what? He's amazing regardless, and you're seeing James Conner can't do that, and his skill set in the pass game and all the runs that 
we might have not gone. Yes. That wasn't that great, yes. but it led them to second and four it's or like, second it's and like six. It's like after and... LaShawn McCoy left the Eagles, where LaShawn, yeah, you could let a defensive guy in there and he breaks his tackle and he keeps going. That's what Le'Veon could do. Yes, he did. And now you expect James Conner to be able to do it, but their offense on Sunday night against Baltimore was stagnant, stagnant. when they handed the ball off. Yeah. He couldn't go anywhere, and he's not that big of a threat in the passing game. No, he's not. It's it's Again, I, I know people want to root for James Conner, and I am too, because it's a great story, and, and he's a pit guy. I still like the way he plays football. He's, he's, he blocks for other people exactly really well. right. And if he does have a lane, he's good, but he hasn't made any any real wow plays. Right. He like only Lashaw, gets like what's there, yes. like how we always talk about. He gets what's available, right? He doesn't do like, oh, if there's seven yards, he gets seven yards. That's great. But the Le'Veon Bells, the Ezekiel Elliott's, the Todd Gurley's of the world, when there's seven yards there... It usually 11. turns into 20, or then it goes, oh, damn, it might be 70 or whatever it may be. And that's where I think people are missing that. Added to the fact that, hey, you know, Todd Haley, you know, let's not forget that. Todd Haley's a pretty good OC. Kind of showed his ass again last yesterday against the Raiders. 42 points against the right. Raiders. So they're not there. he's not there in Pittsburgh, and I think that's another huge adjustment they're they're trying to make. Yeah. So, but you think Le'Veon making the comment? I, he's definitely sitting out at least ten weeks. I no doubt. He has to come back though at a le- week eleven. He right? has to because he needs to do that so he can become a free agent at the end of the year. So that awkward thing when he comes back. Yeah. Do you think it depends on maybe? Do you think it depends on where the Steelers are? That if they really need him to fight to get in, they're going to be excited, but they're still going to be harboring bad feelings. They're going to be angry. I think the players, as this goes on, are going to realize. Like I bet you, the O line and some of those guys already are like, man, we shouldn't have made those comments. I, I would think. I, I I really think the maybe first the first week was the emotion right, of it, right? And I think they were fueled just from everything I know. I think they were fueled from the inside too. Like I think the coaches gave some of those O linemen the push to say those things. And I get it, hoping they would pressure him into it yeah so they look like the bad guys from that standpoint but yeah he's not gonna do it and good for him he's not don't buckle uh save yourself and and get some long-term security let's talk about another guy that we love before we get into your game film and all that aaron Rodgers. yeah they beat the bills 22 to nothing Mm -hmm. and he says the offense was not acceptable no made references to areas where the game plan put together by the coaching staff failed to put the Packers in the best position to succeed Uh, and then McCarthy came out today and said he has a good relationship with Rodgers Um, what do you think I think the same thing I always think that he is for one you know he's not physically capable of being totally Aaron Rodgers yet to where you know there's a lot of games like that through the last few years where the offense doesn't work up the capabilities, but he is so awesome that, you know, at the end of the game, we go, well, he threw for 330 and three touchdowns, right. and he doesn't have to make comments like that. My thing with them is what we know about Buffalo, right? What do we know about Buffalo? When you're too simple on offense, like we saw them do to yes. Jacksonville last year, if you have tendencies in certain formations or areas you throw they the football, capitalize. they know he is a brilliant coach in dropping people in zone coverages to where you're known to attack in these formations. And to me, that's what the game looked like uh, throughout. Plus, again, there were some big drops by the Packers wide receivers again. And Jimmy Graham. There was a handful. Geronimo Allison dropped a big one. I mean, Jimmy Graham dropped a big one. So that's letting them down too. And I do think, I bet you the coaching staff played it a little conservative. I bet you they looked at this game and goes, we're the better team. Mm. Let's not mess this up. We can win this game 24-6. to You know what I thought about? We always wonder, how does Tom Brady take the quote, if Aaron Rodgers was in my system, he'd throw for 7,000 yards. Yeah. 
When when Rogers hears Tom Brady say that, what do you think Rogers thinks? I think Rogers knows that. I think he's frustrated by that. I mean, just even let's think about the things Tony Romo has said to us about that. I mean, it's not a knock on, but it's it's yeah. I think he realizes that there's things going on on other offenses where he goes. I'm not really sure how they're coaching this or doing this because I've never had these in my playbook. But damn, these guys are getting wide open. And, you know, it's it's not like it's a blown coverage or anything. So, yeah, I, I do think there's some issues there. I don't even think Aaron Rodgers doesn't know what he doesn't know because he's been in the same system always. And Green Bay, you know, after Mike Holmgren, it stayed that Mike Holmgren offense but never evolved. And they've just relied on number four and number 12 to make it happen through for the last 20 years. Chris Brown tweeted this, smart football, and I said it in the group chat, and you liked it. Yeah. If I was an NFL quarterback, he wrote, who signed a big second contract, I would negotiate a blacklist of coordinators, play callers that the team is not permitted to hire. And you like that. I mean, I do like that because there's not a quarterback problem in football. There is an offensive coordinator problem in football. And some of the teams we see continually struggle, it's just recycled bullcrap. So, yeah, if I was like a big time quarterback and you know listen organizations are not going to like that but like Matt Ryan signs his new deal and he goes listen listen this, you're paying me like 20 times what you're paying the right, OC right i don't want to play with Steve Sarkeesian anymore. right or yes or if if something does happen with Steve Sarkeesian who i like and i think there's potential there here's a list of five guys that i know just through my studies of being a 10 year yeah, quarterback yeah but you know how businesses work they're yeah. going to go chris we tried couldn't work I out. Know. So we brought in this guy. Right. He's saying, you make a list of offensive coordinators that I refuse to play for. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I know. Which is almost more effective. No, it would be. You want a wish list. He's saying a non-list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm saying a, I'm saying a wish list of no, though. That's what I'm saying, too. Oh, okay. Like Matt Ryan going, okay, if things do fall apart from Steve Sarkeesian, here's a list of five guys where I don't want them no matter what. Don't, yeah. You bring them in, our contract's void or something I like that. I love that. I know. They're... they're uh, we way, always say that the coordinators are really the secret sauce of every team. Without question. I mean, without question. Like, like if the like the fact that the Kyle Shanahan Niners with C.J. Beathard almost beat the Chargers is crazy. Thank you. Crazy. So that okay? Let's talk. Let's just real quick talk about Thursday night football. Okay, with people getting on Anthony Barr. Yes, so I texted you that said a lot of people are coming at Anthony Barr because what? he got beat by Gurley on the touchdown, right. and he got beat by Cooper Cup on the touchdown. And he got, got beat, beat by Robert Woods. And he got beat by Robert Woods. And a lot of people are like, man, Anthony Barr sticks. Yeah, see, that's, that's, that's the problem with highlights and football and things like that. That is and – and then Zimmer goes, this is, I've never had a team cover this bad. No, you've never had coaches torch your defense this bad. Your ass is being torched right now. By certain offenses. I mean, week one, it was there to be had by the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers on one leg torched your ass. And if he had two, it would have been way worse. And then, yeah, here we are week four. Oh, you forgot about Buffalo. Well, yeah, and Buffalo, their offense, I'm, I'm going to give them a pass on that week because their own yeah, offense yeah. torched their own ass, the, the, the fumbles in their own area. But then week four, yeah, okay, you played the Rams. Anthony Barr is very athletic, but he's 6'3", 255. And you have him man to man against on Cooper Cup and Coo- and Robert Woods and and Todd Gurley like not just manned up like right at four yards of the line of scrimmage like Robert Woods is running a thirty yard seam route and you're being asked to carry him 
That is horrible coaching. And that's where I don't think like people realize sometimes that should not happen. You wouldn't see Bill Belichick playing the Rams going, hey, Dante Hightower, we'd like you to carry Robert Woods up the seam. And we think you can do it, even though you run 4-8 and he runs 4-4. That's when your game plan is stupid and needs to be reevaluated. You have a theory that half the NFL's running the same defenses and the good offensive coordinators can kill them. I, I do. I think if you really look at the Seattle and Mike Zimmer scheme. So name all the coaches that come to mind. Right. I'm going to go through them. So in Minnesota, you got Mike Zimmer. Cincinnati's running the Mike Zimmer defense still there. Okay. Um, you got, let me, I'm just going to make is sure I Gunther don't. Gunther in Oakland running that defense? Gunther is running Cincinnati as well. Okay. Miami's running Cincinnati. Okay. okay? The Denver Broncos Vance are running Joseph. Cincinnati. Okay. So that's five defenses there's running five. the Zimmer Cincinnati right. scheme. Right. So there's five in the Zimmer Cincinnati scheme. I might hit a few others here, but first let me go to the the Seattle one. Now, the Seattle scheme. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Seattle. Seattle. Okay. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Um, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Uh, Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Um, let me just make sure I'm not missing anybody else. Um, no. San Francisco and the Chargers are both running the Seattle scheme. Gotcha. Okay. So there is so that's 12, 12 teams, teams that are running two defenses. There are basically and, – and, and those defenses, even though they're a little different, Seattle scheme and I'm going to say Mike Zimmer scheme, okay? What is the similarities the that you similarities, feel comfortable grouping still them? It's still very – it's covered single safety defenses, cover three press bail, and the way they pass off their zones and there just are a few little different rules, but in a lot of ways are still very similar. And I also think that's a huge reason we're seeing this offensive explosion around the NFL. Every there are week. 12 400-yard passing games through four weeks. There have not been 12 in a season in the last five years. So, like, this is shattering. 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 Offensive rules, the the eight people at the line of scrimmage, the NFL has switched officially from – Pick plays, bubble screens, Peyton Manning era there at the end in Denver. I'm not saying he was like that always, but Denver, Peyton Manning era. And And even with like Brady there with the West Welker bubble screens and those kind of plays, they're gone. Do you notice that you don't really see them in football anymore? Because there's eight guys and everybody's got fast linebackers now and fast, strong safeties. So what is it now? So now it's going back to old school of... We're going to throw the ball down the field and hit chunk plays. You're going to play single safety, and we can put four people out and four-on-three fast break you down the field? So you're telling me you're seeing the movement. So because everything went to the Peyton Manning short throws, quick throws, getting to the receiver, slot receiver, defenses react, and thus we saw the Seattle boom. Exactly. Putting a lot of speed guys at the line and getting one guy back because most of the passes were going close. Exactly. And now we're seeing the reaction wave of offense. Offense is taking shots, and those defenses are super liable. Super liable, Let me read yeah. the top five defenses yeah, in, court, in terms do. of yards, and I want you to tell me what their defenses are. Right. Number one's Jacksonville. It is that scheme. It's that scheme, but it's Jacksonville, and it's like once in a every 15 years type of talent that they're, they're getting away with it. I saw a statistic that <clears throat> Jacksonville in the last two years has had three games of less than 150 passing yards yeah. and 50 rushing yards in the same game, and no team has gotten more than one. 
That's how special they are. Jacksonville is special, man. I don't Baltimore know. Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are running the Dean Pease. Like, you don't know what they're going to. It's a 3 4 hybrid type of scheme. And so it's unique. It's unique. And on a weekly basis, it, you can't just go, oh, this is what they do on third down. You get to the, the you get onto the field and shotgun on third and 10 against a Baltimore Raven, Dean Pease, Tennessee Titans defense. Who the hell knows what's Oh, no. You're going to go, what the? I don't know what the hell they're doing. By the way, we know that their DC is Don Martindale, but he was the linebacker's right. coach. Right, and I DPs. love Wink. Wink, I've been with Wink in Denver. Oh, that's He's the man. Name. Yeah, yeah. so d- d- the DC of the Baltimore Ravens nickname is Wink. Wink, Wink Do you know why? No, I mean, no. I'm not really sure exactly, no. But, I Does mean, he got, like, weird eyes? No. He's just like a jolly old fella that keeps it real as hell, wears J's. Really? You know, yeah, he's got some swag about him. He's really? awesome. And I'm not shocked that defense is kicking ass, not only because he's a good coach, but players want to play for him. And they don't even have Jimmy Smith back yet. Exactly right. Should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington Redskins are third. Minuski is a little bit similar to that kind of scheme as well. And he changes up based changes on the up. offense. We talk about it all the time, right? His Chicago a, Bears. Chicago Bears is true 3-4, Vic Fangio. And a true innovator. A true innovator. And yes, it's nothing like the other schemes we talked about. And then Cowboys are five. Cowboys are five. And I would say this. The Cowboys are running the Seattle Seahawks scheme. Um, and I just want to make sure I got this right. But the other thing I think you have to take, they're five right now. Okay. And that's really good. But they've played the Seahawks, yes. the Panthers, and the Giants, where I'm not going to sit yeah. here and anoint them the kings of offensive world. Season. Right. But, but there's still bring, some things good there. I think you bring an interesting point, though, yeah. that... It's, we went through this three or four years ago where you said every offense that's running the West Coast is in the bottom five of the NFL. Yes. And it's just because it eventually – trends die. That's you what know, happens to trends. Do you know how many times I saw the Seattle beater just yesterday in games? Oh, um, the crosser deep? The, the, the post with the second guy through running the yes. wheel route up and the outside corner taking the bait and following the post yes. and he should stay outside. The plays we saw Richard Sherman yell at a few years ago when they were playing the Falcons and they got in the scuffle on the yeah. sidelines. That play, because this defense, the like Seattle scheme and the Zimmer scheme, let's say, it's so popular that – I'm watching games every week and going, damn, the same five plays are fucking your defenses up every week. It's just they call them at the right time, and you guys forget about it. Do you remember the first time we saw the play that beats? Yeah, yeah, you did too. Special moment, right? Special moment, dude. (laughs) Peyton Manning. It was Peyton Manning. So it was after the Super Bowl loss. Seattle was after the Super Bowl loss. It was after the the win. It was after Seattle. Seattle had beaten Denver. I was saying Denver. Seattle beat Denver, and everybody was going. Seattle might win the next three Super Bowls. And if you guys remember, it was like week one or week two. Denver was facing Seattle, and Peyton Manning led two touchdowns. Touchdown drives at the end to to almost beat them. Yes, and we had never seen anyone throw against them. Right, and they had one play where the two wide receivers, one did a post and the other kind of wheeled behind it. Right, and and Sims looked at me and goes, "Holy shit, that's how you beat this defense." Yeah, because you have to fuck with the integrity of the zone. Right, and that was the first time. That was the first time. And now it's like every freaking it, week. It's every week. It's everybody does it. It was week was three cool. of the 2014 season, and you're right. We to that point we were like. And I worked for New England in 2012, and I was like, damn, this defense is real. I mean, even Bill and Josh, we were, they were like, man, you know, Josh was like, man, it's it's hard to find plays against this, all that. And you're right, that game, and that whole game, that Seattle defense was amazing, but yes, Peyton and them got in that hurry-up mode at the end of the game, and they started to expose them a little bit. Uh Speaking of, and I want to go to this, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Mm -hmm. are announcing they have a bye this week. Dirk Cutter says that Jameis will be the starter in week six. 
I have a question. Yeah. I read a lot. Mm-hmm. I read about companies. I read about ideology. I read about philosophy. And it's interesting when those two things come together. This is what I don't understand. If you were running a Fortune 500 company and I came out and I said, we are making cars. We're making cars. This is our future. We're going to go with it for the next few months. We feel really good. And then we started making cars. And then all of a sudden, like, we just came out the next day and we're like, we're no longer selling cars. The the company would completely flop. You can't change like that. What are you, Elon Musk? What are you doing over here? I don't get it. (laughs) So when you come out and say that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starter for a long time, And then your defense allows five touchdowns in the first half to Mitchell Trubisky, and you're facing the number four defense in the NFL with an MVP candidate in Khalil Mack. And then the guy that you put in to replace him, Jameis Winston, throws an interception on his first play. Why are they switching? Ryan Fitzpatrick was not the issue in Chicago. It was the fact that your Mike Smith defense allowed one of the greatest offensive performances to a quarterback that hasn't done anything the entire season. Wait till we get into the notes of that game. But Ryan Fitzpatrick being benched for Jameis Winston. And let me just add, Mr. Dirk Cutter, to enter the NFL season, according to Vegas, as the most likely to be fired coach in the NFL, and then after a week four loss, look into the camera and say that you should be fired, <laughs> the ball's on you. And let me just say this. Anyone that's been in a relationship that's been on the rocks, you know this, that the person that in the fight that goes, just break up with me, has already mentally broken up. They've already looked at the opposite sex on the subway and gone, maybe I should date that person. (laughs) They've already thought about, I'm going to have to move out my stuff and do all that. When you're in a fight for your relationship and you go, just break up with me, it's already over. Dirk Cutter pretty much said, break up with me. I'm switching the quarterback. You're two and two in the South. The Falcons are one and three. The Panthers are two and one. The Saints look like human and you're you're switching already and you're saying fire me holy crap i'd fire him. i would fire him to be honest i would fire him it's annoying i think the one thing i'm realizing is unless you're a franchise quarterback you're not allowed to make mistakes that's the one thing i've started to realize in the Mm. nfl like it doesn't unless you're drafted in the top 20 then damn it you get one shot and if it doesn't go perfect we're gonna question you all year just like case keenum with minnesota last year we're gonna question them all year every yeah. week i mean we were questioning ryan fitzpatrick after week two we have to be thrown for the second 400 yard game people were going you think they'll stay with you think they'll stay with fitzpatrick? ryan fitzpatrick only got blamed for the first half against pittsburgh but we're not going to give him credit for like the miraculous comeback he i had. i am surprised that it's so quick to happen I will go back, and I don't know if we talked about this last week or not. I can't remember because I talk so much now. I really can't even fucking remember anymore, okay? But the other, the biggest clue was on Monday night last week. Remember? And I thought we had this conversation, but maybe we didn't. On Monday night last week, Joe Tessitore and Witten and McFarlane, oh, who we know talk to the coaches. Our best sources, the Monday Night Football crew. That they give made away. comments about the organization still backs Jameis Winston and what happened with the Uber thing happened a few years ago, and he's not the same guy now. And that must be the belief of the organization. And when I heard that, that was the first time I said, 
Oh, okay. So as soon they're as he does slip, as Ryan. soon as he slips yeah. up, they're going to do this. Now it's unfair. He's being blamed for yesterday. You're it's right. Insane. It wasn't pretty on his part. Can we talk about the defense oh, letting up that? No, not go. yet. No, but keep uh, going. But keep going, Mitchell. But, I mean, uh, Ryan. But yeah, I mean, I, I, again, yeah. It just because um, you said after how he played, he deserves yeah. until week eight. Yeah. I mean, at least to come after the bye in week five. Like, I thought there was no way. After two weeks, I thought I thought I said week six. I was like, I think he bought himself to at least week six. I don't know how you can just pin it on Ryan Fitzpatrick other than the fact that, yeah, they wanted to go this way really in the back of their mind, and this just gave them a little bit of the nudge to do it. I am tired of coaches needing fear to begin to be creative. Yeah, that's true. There are some coaches in the NFL, like at anyone at any job, that thrives to come up with new ways to do things. And I always get frustrated with these coaches that until their back is against the wall, they actually try. But I just want to say that Dirk Cutter... He is not the guy that should be the. He does not have the fortitude to lead an organization. If you are somebody that, when things start going bad, you're going to throw people under the bus and change positions, you're not the guy. Do you think Bill Belichick is going? Oh no! Like Bill Belichick, the the walls were falling down, and he was like, "We're going to be fine." He never said. He, that's the one thing I'll always respect about Bill. Takes the blame. Just as much as he doesn't place the blame, really, he takes the blame, which is I always respect. Like unlike when we were talking about with Zimmer with the the coverage thing. Yes. Like Bill never does that. Cutter, okay, he took some of the blame there. The only thing I'll say that just and I don't know this is just this might Cutter's hand might be being forced here. That's you can't yeah, remember that. True. Jay Light might have uh, roster control. The ownership might say no. This is what we want to do. The true thing is they're so, all. Probably going to get fired. They're going to be in trouble soon. Yeah, I know Mike Smith's going to be. Holy crap! Uh, do you want? Let's get into that film. Really I mean, quick. we're on that cu- subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's and you're. I've never seen you this. Ex- your eyes are bulging. It's mind blowing. It's mind. Which side is mind blowing? The Bucks defense. <laughs> okay, so for everyone catching you up, we like Mike Smith as a person. We do. We find him to be a very good guy. Right. We were very surprised that he got the defensive coordinator's job with the Bucks after he was last in the NFL with the Falcons. He doesn't change anything. He doesn't. He doesn't really add any wrinkles. No. And when I played against him in two thousand two, three, four, five, and he was the D coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's doing the same thing now as he was then thirteen Which is years what? ago. Which is you know. Mainly zone coverages, cover four, quarter, quarter, half, things of that nature, a few blitzes that are his MO, yeah. but nothing overly mind blowing and certainly some coverage defaults All in right, this so game. What, what do you got? All right, so th- to make this simple, okay, first Without of all. Without reading, just vocalize. Yeah, the vo- okay, thank you. You're right. You just, looked at it, you know it. Thank you. All right, this was the this was the key to the game right here. I mean, first of all, Chicago came out with a cool little game plan. They were aggressive from get-go. Good for them. They ran Trubisky a little early, got a big run that kind of jump-started him. First of all, I just want to say, well, if we're going well, yeah, to draft – that's one other thing I don't understand in the NFL right now. If you're going to draft quarterbacks that can run, why are we not designing more run? What's the point of drafting them if they can run? Like, isn't that part of the reason you draft? Like, I would argue the same thing with Dallas and Dak Prescott. Like, what's the point of having this big guy that can run if They're you don't have to design? Them getting hurt? I know. And they don't do it until, damn, the season's on the brink or we're out of the playoffs now. Let's run them now. Mm. Like, no, this isn't the time to run him. They're only creative until there's fear. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's scary. 
and or they realize it's a do or die situation like the playoffs then they go let's do it and there is no next week you know that's the other phrase they love but the biggest thing is this tight end to one side three receivers to the other side okay that's what this is the formation you have to know tight end to one side three receivers to the other side right so it's a three by one set and they're playing zone coverage against this all the time. Now, the three receivers, a mixed match. It was Taylor Gabriel. It was, uh, you know, um, Allen Robinson. Robinson. Tariq Cohen out there a lot. They used Tariq Cohen at yeah, receiver a lot. Game. Right. So they, they used all these guys. But the big thing at the end of the day was anytime you pretty much saw a huge big play from that offense yesterday, it was that formation. It started out with just a vertical through the middle for the tight end for the tight end, but it wasn't the tight end. The tight end ran an out route to keep that zone corner occupied. And then they ran middle post, like across the field, just a straight go. And then the outside guy ran a straight go and they stressed the coverage and they didn't know what the free safety is going. Damn. There's the guy going across the field, but there's also the guy coming right at me and nobody's got him. What do I do? So he throws to Taylor Gabriel. Are you telling me they ran the same play? Dude, they ran the same. No, it's not the same play, but they went back to the well on a few of them. But the Seattle beater is what really screwed them. Oh, I saw Trey Burton's touchdown. I assumed it was on a crosser like No that. doubt about it. Tariq Cohen, the big play he had down yeah. the sideline. Same thing. So they're doing it out of three people, right? Post the post by the outside guy. The corner takes the cheese. Yes. It's zone. Please stay outside. Nobody told you to play man-to-man and cover and him over there. one of the inside receivers fills it. And in. then they had one of the underneath guys just run like a stay route or a slant return, right? That keeps some of the underneath coverage there. And then they would have the other guy run the wheel route. So are you amazed? What What is shocking you about all this? It's amazed to me that such a simple formation like that. Like, that's a simple formation this day and okay. age. It's a good formation, but everybody has it. That, that those three concepts that they did within it could totally fuck up your zone coverage rules and things like that, and you have no answers for it was, like, mind-blowing to me. I mean, mind-blowing. I so mean, how was it like watching the film? I mean, it was like watching, it was like watching, like, 7-on-7. Seven seven. I don't even know what it was watching. It was worse than 7-on-7 seven because seven, they usually cover in 7-on-7. Seven seven. I mean, he was dropping back and looking at people, and he threw the ball great, but they were wide open, too. I mean, they were wide. I mean, he just, there was so, nothing to worry about. So is this a credit to Nagy or an indictment on Mike Smith? I mean, a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Nagy came out aggressive, and that's what I, I, I like about it. It, yeah. it was not like, we're going to get some slants and some six-yard routes to get Trubisky into rhythm. No, it was like, no, we're going to run you, you're going to get a gash, and we're going to attack, and we're going to expect you to make some throws down the field. And he designed some things that just absolutely blew their mind. And then he did things off it. So I told you about that first one with the three verticals and the guy crossing the field. Then he had the next time he got in that formation, he made it look like that guy was going to go across and he went to the corner. And he just, they they blew Tampa's minds to the fact where they had to come out in the second half when they lined up in that formation. They just said, oh, we got to play man-to-man because we can't figure this out. And they played man-to-man. The game was over at that point. It didn't really matter. It was 38-3 to or whatever. But So what's your big takeaway of Trubisky? My big takeaway of Trubisky is I'm really glad. I mean, he can get some of the haters off him. Yes. Okay? Trubisky has talent. He's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. That's the issue with this whole conversation is people are seeing Patrick Mahomes and they're going, wait, we could have drafted him. Yeah, I was like, hey, you drafted Trubisky. I'm sorry, Chicago. And Patrick Mahomes is going to the Hall of Fame right now, all right? I mean, but Trubisky is really good. He can be really good. 
And he's continuing to grow in this offense. And it is only game four in year two in the second system for a guy who didn't play a ton in college football either. I think people forget that. So all of those things are that, – that points to a guy that's – he's still growing as a player. So I'm just saying don't judge too harshly. And I think he has the talent to be really good. And let's not forget, damn, they're, oh, Aaron Rodgers, the greatest we've ever seen away from being 4-0. Right. I mean, that's another one. You want to talk about the quarterback being blamed. The fucking Bears blew a 20-point lead, and everybody blames it on Trubisky. I don't get it. Look, we that the first time I realized that was the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl. Yeah. Patriots score like 35 points in a row, and we're going to blame the offensive blame coordinator Kyle, right. on the one play. Right. You no, know, the defense could have stopped the Patriots one time right. with six trips. Exactly. Um Damn. Okay. So that was that. Do you want to get into Pat's Dolphins? Sure. Because you were so freaking sure. Got my ass whooped. You bet $400 on the Dolphins not only to win, but to cover. And as that was unfolding and taking away like the Tannehill fumble that set up the Patriots, anything the Patriots wanted to do on offense worked no that's where i'm gonna say it did not oh this is where i will give you it your was all james white and sony michelle no th- and everything the dolphins tried to do on offense did not work no that's 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 the key to the game let's like let's i know it's, it's gonna say 38 so let, to 7 and the, we're all gonna go oh the patriots offense then, is back on track let me let me do what yeah, my vision was right. from my point of view it looked like Tannehill was under attack yep and any time they tried to run to the outside, the Patriots were all over that mm-hmm. shit. It also felt like the Dolphins got behind and they weren't able to do some of the stuff because it, it seemed like they had to adopt a traditional passing attack. Yeah. And it also looked like Tannehill was off. Yeah. From the Patriots' perspective, right. I always saw the big plays in Sony Michelle and James White. Right. A lot of screens, a lot of dump-offs, and they also made some great plays. Yeah. But what actually happened in the film? I think... The biggest thing for me, and, and this is why context of game mattered. The game was three nothing with twelve minutes left in the second quarter. It's three nothing. The Dolphins' defense was all over Brady and the pass concepts. There was nothing. He did look off. He was struggling. I mean, he was getting hit. He wasn't throwing the ball that well. He threw the interception to the one guy down the seam because they were all over it. He was. It was a clear go route with a guy running an in cut on the outside. Yes, and he was following the seam. And he goes, "I'm going to pass it off to the safety and You're fall right. off." Miami got a goal line stand to hold him to that field goal. That was really impressive. Yes. So they and then the Cordaro touchdown was kind of when the was flood kind of the fu- it was the first time they cracked the code a little bit when they caught my they caught Miami in man to man and they ran a pick play and they wrote pick it was a blatant pick blatant pick but it was within 1 yard of the line of scrimmage which is okay. legal so you can't get mad at it that's i mean new england when the they only, do shit like that the most blatant pick of the day though was odell oh my gosh i know i can't believe that didn't get called i, I don't know how that didn't but get anyway, called back either. to the patriots but either way yes so that okay so that goes 10 nothing right and then Tannehill fumbles and then then yes, exactly right. The next, so the next, they score a touchdown to make it ten nothing, and then the snap, which was, it was too hot. Okay, it was a backup center first of all oh, because yeah. Daniel Kilgore got hurt. I don't know what he got hurt with, but it it didn't matter that he got hurt because he might as well not been there because he was like he might as well just been attached to Ryan Tannehill's lap because that's where he got pushed back to every time in the game. So that was an issue right off the bat. But so yeah, it's ten nothing. Your defense has already been on the field a lot in the first quarter and a half and now they just let up a touchdown drive 
And the first play is a hot snap. Goes over their head. They recovered at the 20. James White. James White touchdown. touchdown. Now it's 17-0. You haven't played horrible on defense. You've played really good. But you're down 17 And your offense is doing nothing. And it keeps putting your defense in these bad positions. Uh, and that's just, come on. You're not going to go up to New England and, and they, win that way. And then they end it with a Philip Dorsett touchdown. And then a James right. White touchdown. It's 31-0. Exactly right. It, it was just too much. I mean, the, the, the So what was wrong with the Dolphins' offense? The Dolphins had 75 we, yards of total offense in the I first half. I know the stats. Yeah. What was going on? What did the Patriots do? This is a Patriots defense that got decimated by Detroit. Yeah. What happened? The Patriots up front whooped them. I think that's the first thing. Does this make you impressed with Detroit's offensive line? Or... Did the, was the Dolphins' offensive line just not ready to go? No, the Dolphins was not. I am impressed by Detroit's offensive line in some things. I think the other thing too with the Patriots, when Trey Flowers is back in the mix, and who was my other guy that I was going to talk about? I'm going to think about it real quick. When Trey Flowers is back in the mix, and um, there was some other guy I wrote down, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, oh, Butler, number seventy, yes. Adam Butler. Yes. When they're back in the mix, they're a different defense. They weren't there last week. No, they weren't. They haven't been there a lot early in the year. Oh, Trey okay. Flowers has had some injury issues, so that that adds another element to their defensive line that they can just mix and mask combinations a little bit better. Danny Shelton played really good. Lawrence Guy played good. They pushed back the interior offensive line mm. of the Dolphins repeatedly, and then the other thing is, is it's like Miami went in and just said. We're just going to run our stuff, and we're better than them, and we're going to beat them. No way. And they really did. And it was a very – I just couldn't get over how bland the past concepts were. New England was all over them. And then New England started to realize they played one rat, what I would call, which one rat is like, you know, robber, same thing. It's the weak side safety comes down. It's a single high safety. It's, and it's man-to-man. But you have, a, you have a single safety deep and then the single safety short, and they're not covering anybody man-to-man. They're, they're just, just really waiting, for, waiting crossers, for crossers. Reading the quarterback's yeah. eyes, trying to discourage you from, you know. Good for short passing teams. Short passing teams or anything crossing like 15 yes. to 20 yards down the field. Well, they were doing nothing to beat man-to-man coverage. Like, New England ran the pick play to go, well, you want to play us man-to-man like this? Like, screw you. We can't let you do yeah, this. Run into your own play. Right. They were doing... Nothing to help out the receivers ever, let alone they were all over some of their concepts. Like, And that was really the biggest key to the football game. Mm. They could not get the run game going because they were getting dominated up front. Did you feel stupid about your bet? Oh, I mean, I th- you know what? You know what's even worse? Uh, just to add on to my Please stupidity? Please tell me that you're at NBC before the game. You go, I think Miami's going to win, Tony Dungy. No. Actually, I walked into NBC just so you know the opening of that. And I went, what up, fuckers? And coach, good to see you. <laughs> and that's what I said. So, coach, just making sure I stay in the good graces of coach. But this is the, when it was 24 to nothing at half, I was like, I think they're still going to cover. You're an idiot. I did. I was like, I still think they're going to do it. This is setting up for them to cover. So I'm reading between <laughs> the Sims lines right now, and I'm also hearing this. Yeah. You still think the Patriots are in trouble? I don't. I'm not going to. Patriots sit, win 38 to seven, and I think you still think they're in trouble. I'm not. I don't feel like as confident as everybody else does. I don't think. I'm not. I want to say trouble. I'm not going to say that, but they're still not the Patriots rolling machine that we've seen. Their offense is struggling. I mean, Edelman's back. Edelman is back. And How they, big of a deal is that? They need him because they are missing that little short passing game in their offense right so now. So I asked you as an Edelman owner on fantasy, right. when what should the, I expect of Edelman when he comes mm-hmm. back? I, I mean, I, I think he'll hit full speed go. 
You don't even think there's going to be any hesitation. Nothing. He's a psycho, and he's been training hard and running all his jerk routes and option routes. And do ha- the Patriots? Are they? I know you're going to get to that. Yeah. Are the Patriots a kind of team where they're going to like screw the NFL? We're going to feature Edelman more. No, they might. Yeah, I mean they are to a degree. Okay. They're they're also just. Do you like, think they're going to want to start them off strong? Yeah, they are. They're going to because they also like Edelman, so they're, he's their guy, and they want him to work, and they know that him and Tom have this great relationship. But like, when have we seen New England after four weeks as twenty third in football on offense? I mean, twenty third, and they play Thursday night football this week, and 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 against like, Indy, they haven't played great defenses. They played the Houston Texans, who were not that good the first few weeks. Not of the when season. they played them. No, you know they played the Detroit Lions, who we saw. You know, who was week two? Jacksonville? Okay, that was a good one. I can't say that. But then they had the Dolphins yesterday. But, yeah, again, I just I, it's it's still good. They're still the Patriots. I think the exciting thing for New England. Yeah, tell me. Is freaking Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, if we talk about those running backs who can get more than what's there, he made some cuts in the game where on TV, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was going like, I honestly was on watching the game yesterday going, Sonny Michelle just doesn't look quite as, as explosive, look that explosive as, as he was in Georgia. But then when I turned on the film, I was just like, whoa, man, that was an unbelievable jump cut. And like, holy cow, that was full speed. He stuck his foot in the ground and cut out the other side. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say there is this, the, the TV's not doing him justice all the way. So when you say that, is it because on the film you see it from the end zone angle? You get to see the total field of everybody running together, and you can put it into justification of, oh, his speed is a little faster than everybody else's on film, and it jumps more than maybe TV will at times, because TV does follow the ball and whatever else, and it just I don't know what it is about it. But film, it pops out more. And yeah, they were... Uh, they, they ran the ball well, and this would be my last key to that. Miami's D-line, I still feel very good about it. What Miami did yesterday was, I think in a few of those situations that New England ran the ball, they said they're not going to run the ball again. They won't do that. This is New England. They're going to pass. They're pass happy. This is what surprised. they do. And they kind of did some stunts up front, which I think they were trying to create pressure on Brady for a pass situation. And New England called the right run play and was like, oh, you want to stunt to the right? We'll just wash you down to the right. And then Sony Michelle or James White will pop out the other side. And- Dolphins 3-0. and They're on their way in the win in the AFC East. Dolphins lose by 38-7. to It was all a pipe dream. Where are you with the Dolphins long term? I, I mean, Dolphins long. If you still made me pick, I'm going to pick New England to win the AFC East. I am. But I think that they're going to be in this race longer than we've seen in years past. And I think they're going to be a team like the last two to three weeks of the year. It's just going to depend if they can win out or whatever it is to be that fifth seed or that sixth seed. So you're still seed. confident in them. I'm not giving up on them. Their defense has a lot of things that I like. It really does. They're, they can rush the passer and they can cover. Mm. And Minka uh, played great. Minka played great. Xavier Howard played great. Yeah. You know, the kid Bryce McCain's a player. Yeah. You know, they had no Rashad Jones yesterday. Don't forget oh, yeah. that. That was a big miss. Uh, there was somebody else they missed on their team yesterday. I don't think Devontae Parker played. That could have helped in a game like that. But, yeah, overall, um, yeah, I'm not as high as maybe everybody else is in New England. Um But it's still going in the right direction. Before we get to uh, the Titans, uh, I want to read you a stat. Mm -hmm. In the last three seasons, the Patriots have had 21 30-plus point games. Now, they're number one in the NFL. Saints and Falcons are tied for two. They've had 20. Uh, A little bit drop-off next. The Rams have had 14 games of 30 or more points in the last three seasons. They're just probably like all in the last two years, really. Probably. Yeah. Um. Towards the bottom of the list, the 49ers have only done it five times. Right. 
Broncos have done it twice, so have the Bears. Browns have done it once. The Giants have done it zero. Other than stake temperature, the only thing that I've really argued about today is the Giants fans' obsession with Eli Manning. It's an obsession. It's still a thing. People are still going, yeah, but the offensive line isn't good, and we're not sure about this. And I just want to see it when the situation's perfect. Giants fans, there is no team in the NFL that has a perfect situation for their quarterback. What you're mistaking is a quarterback that's unable to make up for anything else on their team. You're just not used to it. When your quarterback goes down in a sack and it looks like a helpless twig in the middle of a forest fire, realize that other quarterbacks in the NFL could have extended that play. When you see your quarterback unable to hit a guy open deep, that's not because he was under pressure. Your quarterback just can't hit it deep. We have been trying to tell you for the last two to three years that Eli is part of the problem. And if you want to say there's not enough good players around him, I'd say it's because he's one of the highest paid players in the NFL. He's not playing at the level he should be playing for the amount of money he's making. Mm -hmm. And thus, you can't afford better players. Matt Ryan is being paid more. And guess what? He's rolling out. He's throwing it deep. He's risking his body. He's throwing while he's getting hit. Right. Drew Brees getting paid in the $30 million range as well. Guess what? Rolling out, checking, throwing moves in the flat last week. He's throwing passes that don't have to be three yards. And then his all pro wide receiver makes a man miss. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. It's weird, man. Sell the dream. Everybody thinks Get I'm an asshole. Get out now. We are that. not haters of Eli Manning. Romo said it in the game yesterday. Every freaking pass is three yards. Yeah. When you have a quarterback that when he's facing pressure is crippled, we got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Because it can't all be the offensive line. No, it's not. The offensive line's not perfect. And that's certainly, yes, I, I recognize that. Was that was anemic. But to me, and again, I'll be really excited to watch this film. But just even on TV yesterday, there was a few times where they show that behind the offense, you know, camera there. And yeah, okay, he's under pressure. But I also go, damn, there's Odell one-on-one outside down the field. Just throw it up. Throw Give him it. a chance. To throw it out there. See what he's – just do it. I mean, everybody in the NFL is doing it. The receivers are going to catch you. You're going to get pass interference. But he's not willing to even take those chances to take the hit. I would That's say the Texans' me. offensive line is worse than the Giants' offensive line. Uh, and if you're going to say, oh, you can't compare Eli Manning to Deshaun Watson – He's making three times as much as Deshaun Watson, if yeah. not more. I think four. four. And, and he's got a two healthy ACLs. Well, Deshaun runs around. He didn't really run that much yesterday. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh, but he's got DeAndre Hopkins. Odell's better. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to say. I know. It's it, Eli. I know. Eli's a problem. I know you don't want to look in the mirror and go, but he's got two Super Bowls and he's Eli Manning and he's really good at like signing note cards for the front office. It's over. It's been over. I know, man. Am I am I exaggerating? No, you're not. It, it's I'm in a weird spot with this always because I don't want to seem like the Phil Sims hater of Eli Manning. You know what? I, I and I hopefully anybody that's ever listened to us and you knows like us Eli by more now than I do. Right. I just I hope everybody. I'm not. We're not trying to be haters. We're truly just trying to evaluate football. Eli's a good dude. He's funny. He's had some unbelievable moments in his career. 
But yes, I get it constantly, whether I'm at my little boy's flag football games or walking in the office today. Everything is about we have to help Eli. And the story is the exact opposite. Eli has to start helping somebody else on the team out. That's the problem. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just it's blind. It's blinded by love, I guess. I don't. I, you know, he did win two Super Bowls in amazing fashion against the New England Patriots, and I get all that. But I think we're able to keep it real because we're in this business on a daily basis. And yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I want to say this though. Right. He's going to get better. Here's why. Yeah. They play the Carolina Panthers next week. Panthers coming off a bye. I think Eli is going to be in trouble again. It's in Carolina. Mm-hmm. After that, though, remember we said they could start off one and six. Right. They play Philadelphia. Great team to lob it up for Odell to. Trust me. I watched Jalen Mills get burned on a regular basis. It's embarrassing. A week after that, Atlanta in a dome. Atlanta's letting up 30 points to everybody. That's when I think they finally bust through the 30-point marker. Redskins, tough game at home. He'll probably play okay by week. At San Francisco, should put up a lot of points there. Yep. Home against the Bucks should put up a lot of points there. At Philadelphia, should put up a lot of points, and then he dies at the Bears. Against the Bears. But I'm saying, like, here I am, crapping on Eli. He's going to make me look stupid, like, five of the next six weeks. Because I, you yeah. have to look at the calendar. I know. But I'm also saying... Think about what they could do with a quarterback that doesn't have a crippling fear of pass rush. Yeah, I'm, I know, man. I know. I, I don't, don't know. Th- I'm not exaggerating. No, you're not. I, I, I think, actually, you're being nice, too, to say it might correct itself. I'm not sure if I believe that because the Panthers, Eagles, Falcons, Redskins, the next four, I mean, Dan, the Redskins are the Redskins' no, no, D is no, good. No, Panthers and, and Washington will be right, tough. Yeah. But Philadelphia and Atlanta, yeah, it's, it's, he the should coverages. be able to. Now, Philadelphia's defensive line might eat him up, but – just lob it up against Jim Schwartz what rushing you, everybody. What are they doing sometimes? All right, let's talk about that. Yeah. That sucked. Um, and I, I could do a deeper dive in this game. Like, this was a train watch game this morning. So Okay. Mariota in the third and fourth quarter yeah. went 14-14. Yeah. Mariota in overtime, they went on a 16-play, 75-yard drive to win the game. They converted three fourth downs. One was 15. One was 19. And then the other one was um, the when Mike Vrabel put out the field goal oh, right, unit the fourth and, and two. then came out right. and then actually went for it, right. Deion Lewis. Right. You texted me and I was already yelling about it. Why is Jim Schwartz blitzing everybody? When, like, you know that your secondary guys can't hit. Can you explain to people why blitzing everybody upsets us? Well, it, it, except, it, it, it upsets us because a lot of the times, especially with an offense that's, you know, not proving itself to be the greatest show on turf, you're giving them really what they want. Oh, okay, I, I, you know, our offense isn't in all cylinders. Let me just look for the best one-on-one matchup and throw it up there. And, or, and Corey Davis is one of those guys. Corey Davis is getting Corey very Davis good. is quietly becoming a top-ten wide receiver in this uh, he league. He is. He is. And the Taiwan Taylor kid's dangerous, too. And, uh, I, you know... All guys I don't want a lob ball going to against my defense. I know. And it's... um. They just the Eagles leave their coverage guys into too many vulnerable positions, especially Jalen Mills. I mean, there's a reason we didn't hear Ronald Darby's name yesterday a lot. 
Because they, the, the Titans kept going, well, damn, but if they're going to play man-to-man, we're going to go after Jalen Mills, not Ronald Darby. So Darby played a good game because yeah. they didn't really attack him. Every time they had those type of situations, they went Jalen Mills. Except Let's go Darby there. was on the 4th and 17 when they got the 20 yards. Well, that was his zone coverage, too, which I would have also go, well, I don't know what that coverage was. I don't really know what that was. What did you just you let him get twenty yards? Drop off the back ball? fourteen yards and then not disrupt the guy off the line of scrimmage or at any point, and then also just let him out leverage you to the outside to where there's no corner out there let, and just me, throw a fifteen yard out route like like hey it's seven it, it's it's routes on air we're just warming up before practice that's what it looked like. Let me explain to people why that last play sucked. The last play for the touchdown? Last play for the touchdown. That we got to guess. They're like 12, 15 plays, 15 yards away from the end zone. They have no timeouts. That's the key. The clock go. is running down, and you're going to blitz everyone and let them throw it right to the end zone? Why not let them catch it around the five and tackle them? I know. Am I crazy? No, that was that was the play. I think that's where everybody looked at it. it was Everybody just line up on the end zone and then tackle if they catch it. Third and 10 on the 10. And you and blitz, blitz everybody. You blitz eight and leave three one-on-one matchups. Are you insane? And of course, there's nobody there to cover the guy across the whole field. Like no corner can do that. That's again, it's unrealistic asking your defense to do those. Schwartz things. got away with this against Atlanta in Week One. Yes, he and did. That's why I feel like he felt emboldened to go. I'm going to win the game for He's us. He's kind of meathead-ish that way. Where whenever it's in doubt, it's always the aggressive play. It's like when in doubt, if they're going to run, I'm going to stop the run. Like, and I'm just so sick of that. Like it's 2018. Fuck the run. It's a passing league. Get ready for that, okay? And that's what he should have done. And, yes, your point about the timeout and the management of the situation, you know, again, that might be one where Doug Peterson needs to listen to the play call and go, like, no, Jim, I I only want to rush three here. Rush three, maybe Mariota will run around in the back of the pocket for a few seconds and waste all the time and throw a completion at the two-yard line. And like you said, you rally to tackle, and then oh, can they have enough time to spike the ball? The Titans have a history of being tackled one yard short. <laughs> right, right. Fuck you. And so I just think of uh, that was just um, some bad clock management. When do you ever see the Patriots do an all-out blitz? No, I know it's very rare. They might do it like when you get just get into the red zone. That's where you might see them do it, where they just go, let's see if we can catch them. They just got into the 18, and they might think they're going to drop back and throw a nice, comfortable pass. We'll try yeah. to shock them and send everybody and see if they're ready for or they have a plan for it. The game overall, though, for the Eagles, Jeffrey being back is huge. Huge. Dallas Goddard is a tough son of a gun. Yes, he is. Uh, Jordan Matthews had a cool moment when he had the touchdown. But what were the other takeaways that you took away from both teams? Are the Titans for real? They're 3-1. and one. Their only loss was a marathon game against Miami. Yeah. They beat the frickin' Texans with Blaine Gabbert. Yep. They beat the, the Jaguars. Jaguars. They Blaine, beat the yeah. Eagles. So they beat the Eagles and Jaguars, two teams in the top four. I did like the Titans earlier this offseason. They seem to have the pieces. The defense is playing well. Jarrell Casey is back to his old ways. The secondary is good. Is this team for real? I mean, they're good. I'm not going to go and like say they're the cream of the crop of the AFC yet. I don't feel that way. I think they're really well coached. I do say that. I mean, their defense. What do you see that makes you feel that way? Dean Pease is like one of those guys we were talking about where it's just he's extremely creative in his approach. Like he stressed you guys out with blitz, blitz, blitzes yesterday. He, he attacked your protection schemes. And he found some flaws to where guys got to run free and you had enough people to block them. But you, they were, he knew that with this call, 
oh, the right guard steps down, and if we bring this linebacker, they're not going to be ready for it. And then Wesley Woodyard's running through untouched. And, you know, Harold, Harold Landry, Landry was phenomenal, right? His bend, bro. It is unbelievable, right? I mean, it's amazing. I told you about it. <laughs> but, I mean, they they are they don't let up big plays for the most part, and they do creative things to get you off the field. I mean, what's their scoring defense at? Because they're not scoring a lot on offense. And here they are letting up 18.3 points per game on defensive side of the ball. And then on offense, or their scoring total for offense, I mean, damn, they're 28th in football. They're barely scoring more than they're actually letting up. They're yeah. scoring 18.8 points a game. And they're sixth in scoring defense. You're behind, off- they're, 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 they're one spot behind the Rams. So... Three good cover corners. I'm not going to say that they're like superstars, but they're really good. So they can they can risk playing man-to-man from time to time and go, we're going to do it, and we're going to be creative with a blitz or whatever and get yeah. home. Um, then they are very great in their zone coverages, just like Dean Pease always is. And he's creative with the things he does up front, especially once he gets you on third down. He's, he's a handful on third down because he's just – you don't know what he'll dial up. Added to the fact that – you know, again, I don't think Wentz is hitting on all cylinders yet. I don't. I think Wentz is, um, you know, what do I want to say? Red zone Wentz is still not where he was last year. When Wentz got, Wentz got inside the 20 last year, Wentz was either going to make big-time throws or move around in the pocket and manipulate coverage like Aaron Rodgers does and then throw to the guy that was open. That's what he was amazing at. And I think he's a little off in that category. I don't think, you know, Nelson Aguilar dropping a few balls hurt Huge you in the football balls. game. And... I just think Titans dropped a lot of balls too. They did. They especially at the end there with that big one. Corey Davis, yeah. You know, Ajaye had a good game, but especially it's, in overtime in the fourth quarter. Exactly, but it's like it's too few and far between. I think like when the meat and potatoes of the game was there, you guys couldn't really run the ball that well. You know, it kind of came at the end of the game when they got they tried to play pass in a few certain situations, and you broke it. I just whether what, question if you got enough weapons right now. I mean, I, I don't think you guys are going anywhere, but. It's hard work on offense. Doug Peterson's good on offense. If people think Doug Peterson's like... I had a lot of people... He's not Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or Josh. He's not. He's in maybe that next group of guys down. But I'm just telling you, if we could all sit there and watch film together, you wouldn't be as mind-blown with the offense of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um Their passing schemes, for, for, my, for my liking, are somewhat basic, really. Yeah. But Alshon Jeffrey's going to help big time. Oh, they need, they need a wide receiver. He's a fail-safe. I mean, at least Carson has a guy to go, okay, nobody's open. I can just throw to this big guy outside and put it on his back shoulder or put him up for it to go get it. Yeah, I think the Eagles had like six drops. Or maybe the Titans. It was a lot of drops. There was a lot of drops. There was a lot of drops everywhere yesterday. I thought what was interesting was Vrabel came out after the game and talked about how he took a lot of Doug Peterson's aggression, Mm -hmm. where he actually uh, asked him a bunch of questions in the offseason. He learned about you know going in for fourth down and all that stuff, and then used it against Doug Peterson. I mean, they converted a ton. We also saw that in the Indianapolis game against Houston. Yeah. Frank Reich, formerly of Doug Peterson. A lot of people are talking about right now in overtime the fact that they went for it on their own 43 with 24 seconds left. Right. And they're saying it was too aggressive and it led to the loss. Yeah, it did. First, let's also remember that the Colts were losing by three scores in this game. Yeah. They had no right to even be in this game. 
here goes Andrew Luck in full-fledged anarchy mode, looking like Bruce Willis and Die Hard, taking no prisoners. They get field goals or touchdowns in five of their last six drives, capping it off with a nine-play, 85-yard drive for a touchdown and a two-point conversion just to send it to overtime. So one... Andrew Luck is fucking back. He is incredible. I love betting on Andrew Luck. Even when I'm even when I lose, I don't care. You feel like you bet on like this this crazy man that will not take losing for an answer. Right. Not only that, was there any defense that dominated an offense for three quarters more than the Texans on the Colts yesterday? No. In the first half of the first quarter, I was like, oh, the Colts look good on offense. And then all of a sudden, Jadeveon Clowney became Jadeveon again. Clowney had two sacks. Watt had two sacks. Clowney fell on a fumble in the end zone. Andrew Luck couldn't breathe. And then the Texans got tired. And Andrew Luck, with receivers that you don't even care about, Mm -hmm. they're not even on the radar for your fantasy team. The Chester Rogers of the world. Like, get out of here. Ebron's getting huge drops and fumbling. Luck's like, I don't care. I appreciate that you gave an effort. Let's keep moving. So here, Frank Reich has an offense that can't be stopped. Like, they've gone up and down the whole time. So... I am. I guess I'm one of the only people. I like to call. I know it's crazy, but here's the thing: if he gets that first down, mm-hmm. one more play, they're in field goal range. Yep. What are the Colts playing for? They're not going to be in the playoffs. I think that's the point. Come on, guy. that's the point. They were one and two. They're a team with a roster full of young kids that that have no idea what's going on right now. They got kids like Darius Leonard getting banged up. They're trying to win the football game. Yeah. Were they playing for a tie? I get it. This is not if this was the Patriots, I have an issue. Yeah, right. If this is the Ravens or the Steelers or a team that's fighting for playoff seating, the Jaguars Totally get it. Mm -hmm. The Colts are trying to build a culture. They're not playing for this year. To me, it goes back to Dirk Cutter. They have a plan, and they're executing the plan. They're not going to go, you know what, though? One, two, and one looks really good. Mm -hmm. No, because all week... They're going to be in that locker room right now going, shit, man, they think we can, we're going for the win. Right. We're balls to the wall. That's what the Eagles did in their first year of Carson Wentz. Right. When they finished that year like 8-8 eight and eight, and they had that Baltimore Ravens game where they were going for it on fourth down and the Philadelphia's roasting Doug Peterson, I was roasting them too. Yeah. Going, what are you doing going for fourth down here? The next year... The team was so used to going for it on fourth down. We're so used to going for it in game-tying situations. They were ready for it. Right. Frank Reich is going for it. Yeah. And for everyone that's playing to tie, get over it. I, I, I feel the same way you do. Like, listen, I, I wouldn't have done it in that situation either if you're a team that, yes, has a high expectation. Or you think, but But I think your point about, you know, culture and – and all of those things. They have all these young players on their football team. They're, I think it's more big picture related, right? And Naheem Hines jumping over people, catching right, touchdowns. Right. He is, he is, um, he's teaching his young football team. He's trying to teach them how to win football games, how to go out in key situations and execute, and let's go get the win. Let's not hope they mess it up. This is a team that in six, they, they were a top five pick, so their record sucked, or yep. six, six pick in the draft. 
that entered 16 games in the fourth quarter with a lead in nine of them. Mm -hmm. This is a culture of blowing leads late, not a culture of let's fight to win. There's this notion that any team can win the Super Bowl. There's like eight teams that can win the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, We already know that. And, and the fact that we're judging the Colts on a win or a loss in week four instead of like, wow, they battled back and they're fighting to win. Yeah, like maybe the defense, maybe the defense could have come up with a stop there. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I think what you're saying, I, I let, your logic is like mine, though. When, it, when the game was over... I looked at it and said, yeah, I mean, of course they lost because they didn't make that. We know that. That's no big, like, you know, breaking news point there. But I think the point is, yes, the bigger picture. And that's what we're saying. They're not going to the Super Bowl this year. They're not going to the AFC playoffs. Yeah. They're playing New England this week, right? Thursday. Is that Thursday night? Holy shit. So they're going to lose that, okay? <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I just look at it that way and just go, yeah, he's trying to teach a team with all these hidden young gems just how to be battle-tested and yes. win these type of football games. And I really think that's all it was. I did hate the play call, though. I, to me, yeah. I was watching that game very intently. Right. I watched Andrew Luck stand in the pocket and sit back and when, and stand up. And for you, for the first time in like two quarters, to throw a quick throw to yeah, a receiver, yeah, right. that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. And anything, Andrew Luck is so dangerous. Talk about manipulating a defense. Mm-hmm. That's all he did for two quarters. I know. He'd run for 15 yards. He'd stand up and run, and then he'd throw it. So to do something that you hadn't done for two quarters, that I didn't like. Yeah. On the other side... Sean Watson looked pretty damn he good. He did, right? I mean, I thought, like, again, there was a lot of games going on, and I was trying my best to watch them all. I think you got a better feel for this game overall, and, and we'll deep into it uh, for Thursday's podcast. But, yeah, I thought I saw decisive Deshaun Watson. I thought I saw, oh, I got to get out of the pocket. Let me just get out. Instead of, like, the last few weeks where he's kind of sat there for a few extra hops where you're like, no, go, go. He almost won it in overtime to Hopkins with a beautiful, beautiful. freaking dime. I know. And I was like, haven't seen a throw like that in a while. Exactly right. The but one Fuller yeah. keeps clicking. Hopkins keeps mm-hmm. clicking. And I made fun of uh, Kiki Kuti. Goes out there, 11 catches, 109 yards. Unbelievable. Don't know where he came from. Yeah, Texas Tech, but it's unbelievable. Sounds great. I know. It's unreal. But uh, but that also felt like the Texans woke up. It, it could be. That's why I'm actually, as you're saying that, I'm looking at Houston's schedule just to go, what is Houston's schedule? So they got the Battle of Dallas this week. They got the Battle of Texas. They got the Buffalo Bills after that. David Irving's back for the Cowboys, too. That, that oof, my gosh. And then you got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, man. I mean, that's so... Hey, if their defense can come alive again... You know they they can you, play you, all you these type of teams. You texted us a bunch. Yeah. You said Jadavian Clowney is back. Yeah, and we need to start realizing that it might take these players three to four weeks. Right, it's like Ezekiel Elliott, same thing. You have a theory, Zeke, Clowney. Yeah, these guys that rest, I mean, Trubisky. These guys that rest all preseason. Yeah. This is when they start coming back. It's it's football shape. And, you know, hey, preseason's great and they're getting in shape, but there's a difference between being in shape and being ready for four quarters of football shape. Jadeveon Clowney, I mean, I don't think he could do much of anything throughout training camp and OTAs. So he, he is literally using the season to get back into the groove of things. And, yeah, he was below average for the first two games. The third game, there was a few moments here and there. And then yesterday I saw, like, Roar, get out of my way. I'm back in your face, Andrew Luck. Like, That's what we always I love. I love that. Right. Uh, by the way, Daniel Kilgore out for the year. Damn, he is. Triceps, too. It was the tri. It was, I think it was so something in the arm. And Sitton's out for the year, too. Mm, big losses. 
The Dolphins are falling apart. Dolphins are in trouble. Andre Branch and yep. damn. I know. Two more things that we're going to wrap up. One. Wrap up, kids. One being Josh Rosen didn't beat Seattle, but that laser to Chad Williams in the fourth awesome. to tie it. Josh Rosen was my number one quarterback coming He was out. yours, right. And he showed some serious poise, yeah. some serious throws. I just don't understand how we keep letting this happen with Sam Bradford. Yeah. But I thought Rosen looked great in, in the situation yesterday. I did too. I mean, uh, I mean, again, all four rookie quarterbacks, even five with Lamar, just his effect in the game. But all five are still encouraging to me. Uh, and Rosen, who was my number two quarterback when all said and done, yeah, I mean, Rosen is a nat- like a natural throw natural. of the football. I mean, every ball comes out of his hand pure. Beautiful. Right? It's perfect throw. It's, you know, even some of the incompletions, you go, okay, it was incomplete, but he saw a defender here, so he tried to throw it a little farther outside. He put it where he wanted yeah. to put it. Yeah. You know, those are little clues I look for in a quarterback, just like with Baker Mayfield, like the Baker Mayfield pick six, right? We'll just talk about that real quick. Okay, you know, was that the best decision he ever made in his life? No, but it wasn't the worst. The receiver slipped, he threw it away from the defender, and then the receiver put his hands up as he was slipping, and the ball bounced in the air. Yeah. He put it right where he wanted to put it. You know, so that's where I look at. You know, and then who else are we missing? Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen, again, this is why I said don't be tricked by the Minnesota game. Remember I said that last week? I mean, there, there's just nothing. It's still hard. If if he can't make like, oh, my gosh, what an unbelievable run and amazing throw, I don't think they're going to be he's able to do anything. He's the hardest one to evaluate because he's got no talent. He's got field. nothing. And then Sam Darnold's playing Jackson. Right, and Rosen's going to have – we're going to hit the same little spots with Rosen too. Like where we're just going to go, it yeah. doesn't look good, but yeah, of course it doesn't look good. Like, yeah, but I'll tell you what. I'll take Kirk Fitzgerald, Ricky Seals-Jones, and David Johnson any over, over the Bills guys. Name one. Yeah, I know. Charles Clay. What? Calvin Benjamin. Like they're all slow. Yeah, I know. Sean McCoy doesn't even have burst anymore. No, well, yeah, exactly. And he's hurt. Yeah, I but, know. That's uh, Josh Allen, we're not going to get a feel for what he and is. And he's got no offensive line. Like no. Josh Allen is in a lose situation. At least Rosen, they got a few pieces out of the OC can get creative. They're yeah. all athletes. He can be di- he can dissect you a little bit. But yeah. you liked what he looked like. I definitely liked what he looked like. Yes, it's funny as yeah. I mean, I really did. Him Baker, uh, I thought we were. I like the way C.J. Beathard looked. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I, I mean, was they, I that, drooled to myself. Shit, drool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, C.J. Beathard makes you drool, huh? C.J. Beathard. I, 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 it's like as hard, bad as I ever felt from my friend. As bad as I ever felt. For Kyle. Yeah, because they were not the better team on the field, but they outplayed the Chargers yesterday and should have won that football game and really had some bad breaks. I mean, whether it's him getting hit as he's throwing and then falling right into the lap oh, of the Charger guy, or they're at the six-yard line going in, and the tight end, it goes off his hands. Kevin King returns it for, a you know, se- not a touchdown, Almost. but like 70 yards, right? They had the big punt return with the King kid on the Chargers. I mean, it just... There was a few things that just, man, the 49ers, no no luck there. Man, covered the spread, though. They did cover. Baker, two big fumbles uh, in that game, but he, I thought he played really – what? Dude. Clear and obvious? Oh. So there were two plays in the Cleveland-Oakland game that are pretty, pretty bad. One was the Browns go to convert a third down, uh, and it's called a first down. And then Al Riveron overrules it, which I didn't even know they were going to check that. 
uh, in the booth, and Heek says, no, actually, it's clear it's fourth and inches. It was under two minutes, so they can do it. Causing Hugh Jackson to punt. And then, earlier in the game, Derek Carr gets sacked, and seemingly all in one motion, he's hit, the ball is free, and the Browns take it to the house. They're going to the house. There's nobody there. He's picked it up and roaming. And, and they, they blow the play dead, saying he was in stopped. the grasp. And I don't even know if he was grasped. He was not. The ball was swatted, and there was just a lot of people around. But we're at the point where nobody else matters in football except the quarterback. He's the only person. Fuck all of you, everybody else. Fuck your coaches. You might get fired because this happened and your defense end tears his ACL, but damn, we're going to protect the quarterbacks. It's really annoying. Now, the Raiders did get screwed on one where it looked like Marshawn was going to have the run of his career and run for a touchdown. They blew him dead. Yes, right. But that one at least made a little bit of sense. The Derek Carr sack fumble was egregious. It was egregious. And the, the, you think the, they just oh, wanted John Gruden to get his first win? I mean, I, I, I don't know what to no. say. I just, Al Riveron went back to what he did last year that everybody complained about. You don't overturn the call unless it's clear and obvious. I honestly thought the spot on the field should have been moved up a few inches. I don't give a damn that Al Riveron works at the league office. I've watched more football than Al Riveron. I've been obsessed with this since I'm four, and you can go to any kid that ever grew up with me, high school, college, now. They'll tell you, damn, Chris is about the most obsessed guy I've ever been around with football. So I've been obsessed. I know where the ball should have been spotted, I, and you can't overturn that. Cleveland got screwed in that game because Al decided he wanted to move the ball three inches back when he was 3,000 miles away. Upset you. N- mic drop. Yeah, that's annoying. It's just it, between that and the quarterback thing, they're, 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 it's like they're actively trying to uh, ruin the sport. Mm. It, it's annoying. Anything else you'd like say. to say, Dom? No. Riverboat Al. Uh, but... Cleveland, you think so? I feel Cleveland. I'm encouraged by. I still like. I was also encouraged though by Derek Carr. Yeah, that's my thing too. Is yeah, the Browns got screwed, but like, man, they blew that game. Yes, they did. Fumbled snap, right? Two of them. Yeah, and then the other fumbled while he was throwing. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, Derek Carr made some big throws. Derek Carr just got to continue to throw with the ball with arc and pace. Amari Cooper woke up. Yes, all his bad plays come from these. Oh, I'm gonna lob it out there and place it in the guy's hands. You know that. You know what happens on throws like that that people miss out on and they don't realize they catch a ball sometimes. And you might see like Amari Cooper caught a ball as he was running towards the sideline and he goes out of bounds. And if Aaron Rodgers or Brady threw that ball, yeah. Phew, and then he can turn up field for another 20 yards. And that's the thing. Again, the context of the play, everyone just looks at it and goes, oh, look, yeah, there's a nice 15-yard completion. And I look at it and go, that should have been a 15-yard completion and a 30-yard run. But mm. because he decided to throw the change up, he had no time to turn it up the field. Or he got hit as he was throwing it. Mm. And there's just too many of those throws with me with Derek Carr right now. He's doing a lot of good. I'm just saying I would wish he would just limit those. My last thing is how do we talk about Andy Dalton? Mm. We're going to do a deep dive on Thursday. Okay, I want to do a little yeah. bit right now. Yeah. Last year, mm-hmm. you said you were done. Mm-hmm. You were done with Andy Dalton. Yep. We've talked before about the last 16 games with Bill Lazor has been something good. He is now 3-1. and one. Mm-hmm. They have diced up the Falcons, the Ravens, and the Colts. Yeah. Their one loss being to the Panthers. Right. A lot of deflected passes. But we... The thing, Andy Dalton is the Toronto Raptors. Oh, 55 wins. Let's see how you do in the playoffs. Oh, Andy Dalton. Oh, 10 wins. You got to win a playoff game. 
How do we how do we accurately talk about him? Uh, he's he's a good quarterback. He's doing some things this year where, where I'm going, okay, he's doing more than what's being there put on the, the table for him to get. And I still think, hey, listen, it's been really good. So I'm going to say two things here. I still want to evaluate further. It's week four. And now we're going to get into teams are building an inventory on your offense. Like this is where I always look at New England and go, oh, Bill's got four games to break down now. Watch mm. out. Because if you got tendencies, Bill's going to screw you over. And that's what the good coaches are going to do. So I just wanna, I'm just saying I want to watch that to see. But I think the big thing is their offense still. Andy's making some great throws. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But they're also making life easier on him too. They're moving A.J. Green aground. It's not just about A.J. Green on the outside anymore. They got two guys you got to kind of worry about Tyler now. Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. He's become that middle of the field, like, you know, Michael Thomas, Marquise Colston. Like, he can beat you on the outside, but he's also awesome over the middle and catches those tough balls and can do something with it he after. He had a number of third and longs that he himself dove for and yes, converted that I know. clutch. I know. And then, okay, you know, John Ross, who's going to scare people on a weekly basis. And I think they've had a pretty creative run game on a week-to-week basis. Is there anything more John Ross than catching a touchdown and immediately limping off of the hamstring? I mean, what? I was like, dude, you're just Come so on. on brand. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but the Bengals have talent. They do. We know that. Joe Mixon has even played the last few weeks. And I guess the only thing, I guess the one thing I just pumped my And Vontez Perfect comes back next week. Yes. Yes, I know. And they're and and I guess my only thing with them would be this. We've seen this before. We've seen it before. You know, they beat the Colts in week one. Let's not forget that Andrew Luck and company were driving down the field to win the football game. True. And Doyle fumbled. And I, I know this sounds like I'm being a hater. Baltimore Ravens, they whooped them. Carolina, there was a few plays where I was like, ah, I don't know what the hell their offense is doing yesterday. And let's also not forget that the Atlanta Falcons are missing some very key people on their back oh, seven. The Atlanta Falcons, I'm just saying. if I'm betting overs, I'm taking the overs. In the it's going to be a shootout every week. It's it, it's the opposite of Falcons two years ago, right. where their offense was causing overs. Now their defense is causing overs. And Matt Ryan's it's fucking balling. balling. Matt Ryan might be one of the five best quarterbacks in football. I'm just saying it now. I'm going to do my list again here soon and try to figure some things out. But the way, just to my naked thoughts, and before I've actually settled this, like I, I, I think it's I might officially have to put him in that class. I've never I'm done proud that. Of, I'm legit proud of him. Yeah, he's balling. Calvin Ridley, man, balling. balling. Holy crap! I know. I don't know what to say to you, man. He's kicking ass. You don't have to say anything. I know, but it's, this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm well. I had my questions about him coming out. Well, I'm sure uh, yeah. Dallas would love him. Holy cow, you think? Man. All right, we're going to get to a lot more. We'll we, get to that'll like, be Detroit good too and Dallas. on Thursday. That'll be a really good game. Uh, shout out to uh, Mar, Maher, their kicker, for shut. Now now no one's going to bring up the kicking anymore, hit the game winner. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say about that was Zeke. The fact that it was like a 38-yard screen pass to win, he had 88 yards receiving, great that they're getting him in the passing game. Thank God. 252, 152 yards rushing, 88 yards receiving. Zeke is fucking It's like back. you talked about with Eli. Like if they're paying Eli all this money, then he has to also do good. And, and, and you know, they're costing them other players at other positions. Well, their, their team is built on their offensive line. Yes. That's where their money is. And then they drafted Ezekiel Elliott with the number four pick in the draft. And that's where they're supposed to win the games. And they were cheating themselves by not giving him the ball the first few games. Little Birdie told me that Connor Williams needs to get more legs and ass. Yes, he does. Yes. Um, we uh, You picked the the Broncos to cover tonight? I, I pick a, yes, a Chiefs 35-31 victory. 
Okay. But it was a five and a half spread, I think, on you think our show. Is it going to be a big time scoring fest? I do. Because I think Case Keenum, he's he not gun shy. I mean, no. He is not. He is going to let it loose. And Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas are going to get open. And Philip Lindsay so. is going to be a, he's going to be fun to watch too. Patrick Mahomes. Tonight. I know. I can't oh, wait. Tonight's going to be great. Down, get and, your popcorn. And, and everyone's going to be listening and being like, by the way, it was 10 to 7. It was really disappointing. <laughs> uh, uh, hit us up at Sims and Lufko. Hit us up if there are things that questions you have about your game. Um, also, hit us up in the YouTube comments below. You guys have always been awesome for us. Uh, for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick will be back Thursday. Thursday. He's going to Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to the house that Chris Sims built. And it's Texas, Oklahoma. Oh, week. man. I guess we'll have to talk about that a little we'll this week. We'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, for Fendrick. Good evening. And the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. We will holla, 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 holla at you later. And again, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. YouTube. Check it out. We're going to have Pat McAfee on the show, which was a lot of fun. And we're flipping people the bird. You're going to want to check it out. See you guys later. Peace.